0: Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch, the podcast where I feed the most intriguing of people while asking them probing questions. We used to do it in terrific restaurants, but now, as we're all in lockdown, we do it via video call and a terrific takeaway. In the past, I've often interviewed a guest that I know a little. Today, it's slightly different because I've known her for over 10 years. And as she's only 30, well, that means she was still in her teens when we met. But it is absolutely no surprise to me that she's now your actual star. It's the brilliant actress and singer known for her roles in Chernobyl, Beast, Judy and Wild Rose. It's Jessie Buckley.
1: And he told me to read a book called Fuck It. And so I did. (laughs) (laughs) And that's been my motto ever since. (laughs)
0: Jesse Buckley, as I live and breathe, what delight to see you! Welcome to lunch. I'm marvelous. <laughs> uh, there's a drink in your hand, and I'm suspecting that it's. W- well, I got?
1: thought because any you know from our our relationship in, in the in the past, we we've often met over a drink in the Ivy Club, <laughs> and so I thought it was only right to make a gin and tonic for myself and have a proper dinner.
0: Can we specify that by relationship you mean oh, yeah. our friendship rather? <laughs> Where am I talking to you? Where are you right now? I'm currently
1: in my sitting room. My flatmates kindly moved downstairs to the kitchen while I set up um, my culinary experience. While the virus has been going on, we've been having Saturday night dinner parties, but each weekend it's a different country. So last weekend we went to the very renowned, infamous restaurant called Me So Cute. (laughs) (laughs) And we made our own Japanese food and drank sake and
0: had a wonderful time. Um, your bike, your your delivery bike is oh, I'd say it's about two and a half, three minutes out. Oh, excellent. I'm it.
1: so excited. I feel like it's Christmas. These <laughs> are you know, small been... it's small pleasures during this difficult time. Yeah,
0: that's what's are going you to gonna happen. get
1: the same meal as me now?
0: I have a similar meal coming from a different place of the same culinary genre mm. which is my way of being mysterious because i think we'll we'll do the reveal when your okay. when your bike turns up because you haven't got a clue what's coming No telling, have i you? know. So you do actually like your food, the fact that... Uh, we, I mean, we, we have eaten things at each other's company before, randomly, I think.
1: Do you know what? I have been thinking about the most random thing that I love you the most for of what you ate in my company. Yeah, go on. I think I just moved to London and you got popcorn ice cream at the Ivy, which... Was kind of like the most exotic thing that a I'd ever seen, and you were so in love with it that I was in love with it. And this popcorn ice cream would we remember? We'd sit up on the counter and and you'd eat it, and I'd look at it
0: lovingly. I'm sure, I gave you some, didn't I?
1: You did give me some as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to go back to that in a bit. I, I'm I'm going to do what we do, which I'm going to start in the here and now. Okay, February the second. You performed on the stage of the Royal Albert Hall at the BAFTAs singing Glasgow. And you looked staggeringly comfortable (laughs) up there, which was amazing given just how few people there were with you. You had a guitarist and a double bassist and it was beautiful. I mean, if you were in your comfort zone, tell me. Oh my God,
1: absolutely not. I mean, I was probably an emotional nightmare the week Leading up to it, (laughs) because it's definitely one of the most scariest things I've ever done. But I love those musicians. I love Neil McCall and Ben Nichols. And I really wanted to um, have that moment with them. And in my head, I wanted to feel like I was singing in a pub (laughs) with those two brilliant guys.
0: I want to ram it home what the audience was like, because I watched the, the footage again. I loved watching you do it because uh, you know what you know how, how much of a fan of you I am and you're singing. The cutaways were to uh, Pacino, De Niro, Hugh Grant. When you get to Olivia Colman, you think, oh, it's just Olivia Colman. I
1: absolutely shitting myself all week. <laughs> um, and I woke up on that morning and I said, if I don't enjoy this, I'm an Egypt." And to be honest, I'm much more comfortable in that space than I call like doing a red carpet They're, for me the terror carpet.
0: <laughs> so did he prefer to actually have oh, a job Oh, Yeah, that night, it to was have brilliant. A, a, a and thing I got to, to, to do kind rather of than just to sit there. And- my
1: friends backstage and have a packet of crisps after we <laughs> sang in a glass of champagne and went out for the end of it and had a lovely night? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was it was fantastic all round. I want to go back to "I'd Do Anything." Yeah, um, the, the TV series. How does seventeen-year-old Jesse Buckley from Kalani decide to enter?
1: Well, it wasn't really anything ruthlessly considered. I was struggling with depression, and I kind of didn't really know where I was going one of the teachers in school who I had done all my plays with had said, oh, they're doing a new show. Andrew Lloyd Webber's doing a new show you should do it and I was like well I don't I I don't know anyway I went to Guildford audition and I didn't get in and was absolutely heartbroken let's
0: be clear the the Guildford course is the musical theatre course in the UK isn't it I don't think there is I mean everywhere a lot of drama schools have an element of musical theatre but that Guildford course is the one Is it?
1: it's like a specific one yeah that and Mountview are are probably the the ones that produce the most musical theatre people Anyway, the next day I was staying with some family friends in Surrey and the next day there was an open audition in the County Hall, I think, on the South Bank. I really didn't think anything of it. I thought it would be a practice for my next audition for Mountview, and nothing more than that.
0: Yeah, I should say that the judges were Andrew Lloyd Webber, Cameron McIntosh. Was John Barrowman on that yeah, one? Yeah, he was, Or not? Yeah. This was a talent show. Uh, In which they were going to cast someone to play Nancy in a stage production of Oliver, and it finished with you and Jodie Prenger having to sing um, "As Long as He Needs Me" against each other. Uh, Both of you sang the same song, as I recall. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then you lost. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. Lloyd Webber and and, yeah, well you know, (laughs) Lloyd Webber and Macintosh both made it very clear that they were extremely disappointed. In retrospect, and then we'll move on, was it a brilliant thing that you didn't actually win?
1: In hindsight, it, it, it's part of my story, and that's that's brilliant. Oh, I think somebody's knocking.
0: OK, go for it. So, uh, do you like Vietnamese food?
1: I love Vietnamese food. I really brilliant. love Vietnamese so food. So, I
0: have got you a takeaway from Cai Tre over there in Shoreditch, um, because there's a lot of little Vietnamese restaurants up that way. And so you've got a green papaya salad with a vinaigrette, roasted peanuts and marjoram. These are your starters. Delicious. We're stocking your fridge, basically. Summer rolls of prawns, daikon and, and Vietnamese herbs and some salt and pepper prawn. So I've got a takeaway from a place called Ban Ban, uh, which is down here near me. There's two branches, one in Brixton, one in Peckham. They've just reopened the Peckham one for takeaway. And going on what I've got, I I would hardly recommend it, which I think is actually what I'm supposed to do as a job, recommend restaurants, isn't it? I've got a papaya salad, mine with prawns, topped with peanuts and crispy shallots and some little crackers, which is looking rather gorgeous, I have to say. And some ground beef in beetle leaves and some sticky chicken wings. So... You you come out the back of I'd Do Anything. Yeah. You get cast in A Little Night Music, directed by Trevor Nunn. Yeah. So the way we met, to put it on the record, it then transfers to the West End yeah. uh, in the spring of 2009. Um, I looked up the date, so you were still 19. And when um, the cast are in their, their plays, they get extended membership to the Ivy Club. Yeah. I need to set the scene for this. The Ivy Club is a... An appalling members club full of awful people, but brilliant cocktails above the Ivy. This is a very nice place. I, I was a member for 10 years. I'm not sure if I am anymore, but anyway, because uh, it's closed in the current circumstances. And Joe Thompson and I had been at university together 35 years ago, and he was the man responsible for getting me into music um, <laughs> and playing live and gigging and all of that. So you come in and Joe loves playing with singers. Yeah. And sometimes it just passes by and then sometimes it stops the room. Do you remember? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, like, I felt like I was in the Great Gatsby in my head, you know. like It was a kind of extraordinary... I think the Ivy Club had just opened and there was kind of a firework of energy in that place where people would, like, get up or you'd have, like, opera singers one night and people from... The
0: music scene was very, very serious, very important, and there were top musicians Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: them. or dancers. Or I remember there would be nights where the whole kind of room, people would be on tables singing cabaret all together and... Twinkles be like flying or
0: whatever. Um, a, a twinkle being a champagne cocktail with vodka and elderflower cordial. And absolutely lethal and completely
1: butter. delicious. <laughs> and I would say the same for Joe is that Joe introduced me to music in a different way to what I'd experienced before. Um, and I remember the, that first night when I did sing to him afterwards, it was about one or o'clock or whatever, and he came out and he little his little card and he was like, oh, I'd really like to like keep singing with you and from then on in we went on a really like really important special musical journey at that point of my life and I owe him a lot
0: the thing I didn't realize and I'm ashamed of this is that you have grade 8 in piano
1: yeah don't be ashamed I can play those grade 8 pieces well I can't play anything else very well
0: (laughs) But it's not the only instrument you play, is
1: it? Well, mom's a harpist and a singer, so we grew up with a lot of music in our house. And so I played the harp and was in the Glen Eagle Marching Band, which was the social suicidal point of my life <laughs> where I would walk. You were in a marching mar- band. I was in the Glen Eagle Marching Band, and every Sunday I was with my clarinet, with some form of ligature or apparatus missing, march around the car parks in Clarney. With a stand by, <laughs> no, 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 please laugh. It is incredibly laughable. <laughs> I think I will be forever grateful for my parents for giving us the gift that they would just give us experiences and uh, an energy to go into things wholeheartedly and, you know, no, no kind of pressure of a long-term thing, but just pure joy of experience how are your summer rolls
0: from Kai Tray?
1: Oh me! Oh, the summer rolls were absolutely delicious, and I, I'm a very big fan of peanuts. Any kind of nut, nut situation added into food. I really like crunchy things as well.
0: So there's lots of good crunchy things.
1: There's a lot of crunchiness <laughs> um, going
0: on. <laughs> I mean, at that time, it was all you know. We are, we are going back almost ten years now. In fact, I think we probably are. From the outside, it was all going brilliantly. You had acquired an agent, Kate Winslet's agent you were gigging, you'd done some shows, you were being seen. And I remember sitting next to you at the bar at the Ivy and saying, so what's the plan? What are you going to do? And you said, I'm going to go to (laughs) Rada And I I kind of sat back and said, what? What you said back was, I want to be 20. Yeah. It, it seemed an extraordinary thing, an incredibly mature thing as well to do, to step away and say, this has all gone brilliantly and now I'm going to go and get trained. What, what was it, What was in your head? It wasn't surely just about hanging around with people your own age.
1: I wanted to be part of a community of people who were my own age and I wanted to read lots. I, I felt like I had a peripheral, raw feeling regards to working and my industry and that rawness is incredibly useful, but I also felt a bit naive to you know and that I needed to spend some time to get a to know myself but also get to know myself enough so that I had an idea about how I could add something into the world that I loved which was unique to me and nurture that.
0: Was it not slightly odd that you'd already you know performed you'd been in the West End were the tutors willing to accept the experience you'd had or did they try to put you back in yeah, your box?
1: They Some did and some didn't. There were some brilliant, brilliant teachers there, like John Paskitsa, who was my acting coach, was incredibly fantastic, like amazing. You know, I had had some financial help from this uh, beautiful friend of mine called Tony throughout Rada, But I also had been working since I was 17, so I had a certain sense of responsibility to like earn money so that I could just live in London so I did work in my holidays so that I could kind of fund what were you doing I was gigging at a certain point people in Radha didn't like that um (laughs) and I did get a firm rap on the knuckles and
0: (laughs) you basically got told to stop gigging didn't you
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I got suspended (laughs) from RADA. Um,
0: Seriously, I didn't know that. You got suspended because you were doing the thing you were training to do?
1: Yeah. Well, you're not meant to really work. It was the most conducive way for me to be able to
0: (laughs) do my training
1: and also work in between. And music and singing was such a massive part of me. And to feel like you were kind of being given out to because of that was really difficult for me. And I, I had horrible panic attacks in the end of my second year and I remember going to this teacher and saying I just don't think I will be the best actress because I feel watched and he really I really am grateful for him because he said if you leave they win (laughs) and uh, and he told me to read a book called Fuck It (laughs) and so I did (laughs) and that's been my motto ever since (laughs)
0: Well, you went and you did, you know, serious stuff. You were in Kenneth Branagh's company in A Winter's Tale. How was that?
1: It was brilliant. You know, like, you've got Judy Dench, who I have always just kind of looked at as being somebody that I would like to be when I grow up, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people would like to be like Judy Dench when they grow up. Um, and it was a really lovely company, and I love the family. Like, this is my family, especially in theater because you're in a kind of mesh pit every night and you get together and you make a pact to like for two and a half hours to put every ounce of yourself into l- giving something to people that you can't even see you know and and I <laughs> I, I I love I've loved everybody <laughs> maybe not everybody but most of the people that <laughs>
0: You don't have
1: to
0: learn. So here we are in 2020. We're in the midst of lockdown, it has to be said. But some amazing roles have come your way, or you've made amazing choices. The brilliant performance in Chernobyl, where essentially the character you were playing had to represent the hardship of the entire Ukrainian people. That was. (laughs) Thank you very much. I mean, that's. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, what I, mean, what I mean is, it's not. It's 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 not to kind of. I thought there was a. I, I watched every episode with you know Major jaw slack. It's amazing, amazing um, drama. If you haven't seen Chernobyl, you really have to. You're brilliant. Better at saying her name, Maria
1: Ludmila Ignatenko. That's
0: it. And she is the wife of a firefighter who works on the reactor when it goes up. It's an extraordinary story. Yeah. Were you aware of much of it before you went into that?
1: I think I was probably aware as much as everybody else was aware of the word of Chernobyl. I didn't know really the ins and outs of what had happened. And um Craig Mazin who wrote the script and and um Johan Rank who directed it and and the book that it's based on by Svetlana Alexievich Chernobyl Voices was just like it was completely eye-opening and and we need confidence and ego and pride in order to make things happen but the fact that man isn't bigger than nature ultimately and that these huge tragedies can have such a ginormous effect on on a mass amount of people it was humbling and awakening and it was a really powerful thing to be part of
0: when a script like that comes your way are you immediately aware could could you could you see that it was going to be a very big thing? What goes on?
1: You never really know that things are going to like take off. You know, like it's a political tragedy. It's not like it's a kind of escapist rom com. <laughs> so you don't like you to novel generally. The you, you, I think you when I read it first, you're struck by the honesty of it and the power of that honesty, which affects you. So you're hoping to bring that to light. I actually love audition I love auditioning and I love reading scripts and and I guess what I look when you're doing something like you must
0: that. know you're a rare creature then because you must have had that conversation with actors who hate auditioning,
1: even if you don't get it I think they're little gifts <laughs> like you get to you get to read these brilliant scripts by these brilliant people and you get to have somebody's life cross across your path for four days of your life, and in the hope that you'll be able to live with them a little bit longer.
0: When you got the script for Beast, um, that was a 2017 film, and I think there's sort of a view that that was a breakthrough for you. Were you up against loads of people for that role? Do you want to explain what Beast was to those who haven't seen it?
1: Beast was a a film written by Michael Pierce. It was his first feature. And it was the first film that I ever did, and it was a psychological thriller, romantic thriller about a girl called Mal from the island of Jersey in the Channel Islands who falls in love with a, a wayward man played by Johnny Flynn. I'd say I've met a script like that maybe three times in my work life. And I, and I'm sure I was up against many brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people, and I really, I, I really fought for that.
0: How do you fight for a role in an audition? It's always seen as a one-sided sort of power play. They they <laughs> sit there, they have the power of, of deciding. I mean, is that another Kalani thing? We just I'll knock on you. the door. <laughs> no. I'll fight, I'll you. fight you. I've got clock. a horse outside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, I don't, you don't, know, you can't physically fight, like you don't fight anybody. Oh, you can give it a
0: try, like. Maybe
1: it's more of a fight <laughs> in yourself of like, I kept that script under my mattress for months until I'd got it.
0: That's fantastic.
1: So maybe it was like a more of a internal fight, you know.
0: Do you want to move on to another dish? Yeah. I'll tell you what the other two you've got. I'm just basically trying to feed you. Um, <laughs> you have got... There's some wok fried egg noodles with mixed seafood. Oh, yeah. And there's some Vietnamese caramelised braised catfish. Oh, catfish? Fish sauce and pepper. In front of me, I've got... Thick tapioca and rice flour noodles tossed with herbs, bean sprouts, and tofu mix, drenched in a coconut cream dressing, which is vegan. From that's from Ban Ban.
1: I've got nice mushrooms and squid, green things, chili.
0: Well, we like those. We like those. They always add to the gaiety of nations. You know, when you're looking at somebody's life from the outside, you only see the rolls they get. There must have been some you didn't get
1: Oh yeah, along the way. <laughs> I think there's been certain points where. I was gutted. Like uh, there's one yeah where at the time I was gutted but I don't know. You're
0: going to tell us what or are you going to bury the pain?
1: I was auditioning for Janis Joplin and Oh. I hadn't really met her fully. Like I had listened kind of to her music but I hadn't really and it didn't it just didn't work out and and but I that was gives sad me about pain, that. Actually. I was very sad about uh, that. So am I. <laughs> you would have
0: been an absolutely astonishing Janice Joplin. <laughs> I mean there's been lots of there's been lots of stuff that you've done and it's um obviously war and peace, I think, was possibly the moment when a lot of television audiences in the UK got to see you do your thing. There was a moment when I stopped in a tube station and there was a poster for Wild Rose, with you about five feet, you know, top to bottom. And it was the least surprising moment, uh, from, the moment from the moment I met you. I, you know, it's just, oh, right, it's finally happened. That role does seem like it, it could have been written for you. For anybody who's uh, not had the good taste to see this movie, it's about a, gla- a young Glaswegian woman who loves country and wants to be a country singing star. We meet her as she's coming out of prison in Glasgow. Her kids are being brought up by her, her own mum, played by Julie Walters. Julie Walters! I know. Uh, and it is a, it's a pretty movie. I, I I was, and I think you were, a little surprised to see you embrace country in the way you did.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I didn't like country music at all before I started the film. But I think I'd only heard a certain version of it. And then the musicians that I had worked with on the film... And before we started shooting, we kind of bottle up to this shed in North London and sit. And I kind of learnt it there amongst them through Amy Lou Harris and Bonnie Raitt and um, Dolly, of of course, um, and Hank Williams and John Prine. And they introduced me to the stories of
0: country music, mostly. When it comes to getting on top of an accent like that, How much work did you have to do? Did you do the full method thing of going and living in Glasgow and trying to pass yourself off?
1: Yeah, about a month before I started filming, I kind of based myself in Glasgow and we would meet up and walk around and I'd speak Glaswegian and go into certain coffee shops and try and get away with buying a pint of milk or whatever coffee (laughs) (laughs) in
0: Glaswegian. (laughs) Did anybody pull you up on it when you went into the coffee shops to try and get a pint of milk?
1: If they did, I probably was too nervous that they might, <laughs> that I probably didn't give them a chance to. <laughs> um, but no, they didn't.
0: What was it like being on set with Julie Waters?
1: Oh, like just bloody glorious. <laughs> but she's really like down to earth and. She's just there with you, you know. There's no like airs or graces, and wants to make each scene as alive as possible, but also up for a laugh and a cup of tea and a packet of a packet of crisps, which is the most important thing on a set. <laughs> a packet of crisps. Well, no, maybe not a, crisps. A There's of... just endless biscuits. There's endless biscuits and tea. I drink more tea and coffee on a set than I ever do anywhere else in my life.
0: Now you, you, um, we can say now that you've been in Chicago shooting Fargo, yeah, the series, haven't you? Uh, That pretty much was what you were taken off when this whole crisis happened. How long had you been out there for? We were communicating when you were in Chicago.
1: I was out there nearly six months. Yeah.
0: Bloody hell. Yeah. How do you take to that? Because you are someone, I, I know you're someone who, you're very close to your family. You're close to your mates. Yeah. Is that tricky?
1: It is hard Chicago is hard during the winter as well. It's very cold,
0: oh yeah, it's a bloody cold city. It's
1: beautiful and has like an amazing history and music and food like the food there is brilliant um but it's a quite a like it's it's a bit like a glasgow of New, of america you know it's it's an industrial city. Mm. I think I've realized that I really love and need nature. <laughs> or your friends, your family, or your fella or whatever it's 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 hard, yeah.
0: Um because when when you did come back because of covid, you that you went back to Killarney. you sent me photographs of the hills near I mean absolutely extraordinary west of Ireland. It
1: was the first time I've been home since I left. I was home for like 6 weeks. Um, oh, but
0: seriously, since since you left to do uh, do anything? Yeah, yeah, I have been
1: home for that long, for that long, length have you of got, time. Is
0: it two sisters or two sisters three and a brother? i three younger
1: sisters and a brother. Yeah. Blimey. And we live, like Clarny, where I live, is completely magical. And I, I, I love London and I consider London my home now. Um, but Ireland and the nature and the wildness of it is in my heart. And I really, really miss that. And I think I, there's part of me that's probably looking for that. But I think I've just got used to... You, you do have to adapt all the time to different cities or cultures or characters or parts, you know, which I love. I think that would be my greatest fear if I was, like, in a very stable circumstance. <laughs> that would fill me with utter dread. That might be the worst thing God that could us- ever happen to me.
0: <laughs> By the way, have you um, got to the catfish yet? Yeah. The, the, the,
1: I'm, I'm making my that? way through this <laughs> quite quickly and in, in, with huge enjoyment.
0: Well, I wasn't expecting any restraint, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about Judy at all. So in Judy, you played late career Judy Garland's assistant yeah. to Renny what How was that experience?
1: I think I grew up, like, lots of people. I feel like Judy Garland was the red curtains that I looked behind into this world. And one of the first films I ever saw was Meet Me in St. Louis that my dad brought back. And and at different points, she's just been this pillar of... of what this whole thing is to me. So it was... And to see Renée... Be that and and be part of that was completely. It, it felt like a, a kind of a full circle, um, in in lots of ways.
0: You know how to get inside those songs. Was it kind of curious to watch um Zola get sing them? Were no. you on set when she
1: ah uh, yeah did those yeah scenes? Well, no, yeah, at different times I was. It was glor- It was amazing. I mean, she's amazing, and she's a. Yes, she is. She's a completely beautiful, generous soul. Like she would sing that end song in the film Somewhere Over Over the Rainbow like her... Lifeblood depended on it, and then she flopped out. And then they'd say cotton. She'd flop down onto the stage, and she'd her to all the extras like they were their her aunts and uncles. And then they would go, okay, action, and she'd get up again and give that performance on that scene as well. Like Michael Gambon was in the scene, and and we were just watching her, and he just turned to me, and and I don't I I don't know if he thought we were still in the scene or if he was being we <laughs> like turned to me he was like, who is that girl? She's incredibly special and and he had tears coming out of his eyes and I had tears coming out of my eyes and you know little moments like that are are, that's what you live for is like a bit of magic and I've always loved watching even when we were doing A Winter's Tale with Judy or Henry V I would always come down and sit in the wings and and watch Judy and watch Jude or Ken or, or whatever do their thing and, and eavesdrop, you know, on on these little magical moments that are unique to that moment.
0: Is that to learn the craft or to in, just to enjoy the performance?
1: Probably both. I mean, I'm <laughs> there's lots. Most of the people in our jaw just think, "How do you do that? <laughs> How are <laughs> you doing that?" And also, what's amazing about those people like Renee and and Judy and. Dude, they they make you forget even asking that question and, and all of a sudden
0: you're just one of the audience or one of the people opposite them. In preparation, solely in preparation for interview, I watched Misbehaviour two nights ago. Yeah. I don't know if you would agree with this, but that character struck me as being closer to you than many of them. So Misbehaviour is about the 1970 Miss World final. Yeah. Won by Miss Grenada and the protest of the Women's Liberation Movement. Um, and it's a great movie. Uh, I enjoyed it hugely. There seemed to be a, 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 a... Or was it just simply that your your hair was like yours? How it was for a long time. <laughs> Is that what it was? I mean, it probably, hair, model zone. It
1: probably was my hair. I often say I can't act, so just change my hair. That's generally my <laughs> method of madness. Um, she probably had this uh, similar... Fieriness, I would maybe say. In what ways did you think we were similar, apart from my hair? Um,
0: well, the, the hair was there, but also a kind of um, in-your-face element, <laughs> as in you don't take you don't take bull- bullshit from anybody, and you're, you're you're very clear and direct. I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, uh, you don't stand on ceremony.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe not now. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I don't know.
0: And you also did a great, you did a great Yorkshire accent. I, I, I did love the moment at the end, uh, which was, uh, you know, kudos to the and director, where you turn and look at yourself, the the person you're yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, those women are eye. completely, I mean, they, it was a joy to like meet the real Joe Robinson and all of them and hear their stories about where, where they were coming from at that point in their life. and. Yeah. And I guess with all the characters that I've ever played, what I love is they kind of just walk across your heart and leave a little kind of tattoo on it. You know, I don't. I think I'm probably just a oh, fat mess of lots of different people at this stage. Um, I like doing graffiti. That was
0: good fun. Oh, yeah, you were spraying a billboard. I think it was in a back street in Farringdon, wasn't it? I think it was just behind where the Guardian's offices used to be. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry about that. exactly where (laughs) it was.
0: Did they have to keep reposting it, or did they have a way of wiping the graffiti off so you could do the shot again?
1: No, it was just... It was one poster that you had, like, one time to do it,
0: so... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thank fuck you got it right.
1: I think I actually didn't, and then... They somehow fudged. They made it work.
0: So we have to talk about what 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 was meant to be next. What's coming next? You were meant to do Juliet, weren't you, at the National? Yeah. Who was directing?
1: Uh, Simon Godwin, lovely Simon Godwin, was directing, and my great, brilliant friend Josh O'Connor was to play Romeo. Um, yeah, we kind of don't really know what's gonna happen. I, I'm, I was really. I'm really excited about going back into the theatre and doing that and doing that there and doing it with Josh, who I really wouldn't want to do with anybody but him. Um, so I hope it, it will happen at some point. When that will be, I don't really know. It's it's kind of a really scary time for theatres, I guess. And Oh, yeah. I can't imagine over a thousand people will be bottling into the National Theatre anytime soon. Um, but... When it, it when we can, I really hope that I'll still be able to do it. Otherwise, I'll be a real <laughs> right old hag by the time
0: we <laughs> get well, wait, You think it. you might get too old for Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you've got a couple of years I to don't pass. Know. <laughs> so, and I, I know this will make you blush, but I will say it. So when we all met you, and I think Lloyd Webber has said it as well, you know, if 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 somebody had said to us then, this is what will happen to Jessie Buckley ten years down the line because she's she's got it, none of us would have been surprised. Are you surprised?
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank God you said that because you'd have been a monster <laughs> if you said otherwise. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's madness.
0: Jessie, it, it has been absolutely lovely to share lunch with you. It's oh. not the way we were planning.
1: No, but we'll do it again. I think we'll probably do it again. Yeah. And <laughs> Not like, you know, this, but just normally.
0: And, and when we do, the twinkles will be on me, okay? Okay. Is that all right? Um,
1: yeah, I'll buy you twinkles. Oh, all
0: right, then. Um, so all that remains is for me to say, Jesse Buckley, thank you for staying in for lunch with me. It's been an absolute joy. As I have to say, I knew it would be.
1: I was really looking forward to this as an old loving friend of yours and I hope we have more out to lunch in lunches again. (laughs)
0: That's brilliant. Could you read the script one more time and this time if you can... There is nothing like catching up with an old friend over a cracking lunch, which is exactly what that was. And if you live in London and want to try the food we had for yourself, Jesse's Vietnamese lunch came from Kai Tre in Shoreditch, and mine came from Ban Ban in Peckham, and both are available via Deliveroo. And if you're hungry for more, there are lots of other episodes, including from series one and two of Out to Lunch, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could manage a, I don't know, a five-star review as well, well, that would just be perfect. Out to Lunch is a something else, and Jay rayner production the music was written arranged and performed by me jay rayner and robert rickenberg the mix engineer was josh gibbs the assistant producer was jemima rathbone the producer is selena ream and the executive producer is darby doris additional production is from steve ackerman next time it's manchester united and england football star turned tv pundit and businessman it's gary neville i i i love football less today than i did six weeks ago and i've not seen a match And that's a big thing for me to say. I love football less than I did six weeks ago.